Hi, I'm Marlo Higgins, and I've spent nearly four decades as an entrepreneur building boundaries around time and energy. I am captivated by stories of creating that mythical balance between priorities and success without the guilt and fear of missing out. I'm a to-the-point business coach that helps start a company, rebrand another, and launch my own. Now I'm running a thriving online brand with a white space in my calendar to spend time with my family, nurture my soul, and create an impact in our world. Are you dreaming of striking a balance between a thriving business and a joyful life? It is possible, and it starts with you. Get out your field notes, and let's tap into Peaceful Achievers, inspiring you to create a vision, level up your skills, and show you how to set boundaries that support the life you desire. This is 22 Minutes to Having It All. All right. Welcome back to this week's episode. We have Mike Passavant joining us. He comes from the Midwest. Now, if you are someone who is a real tried and true entrepreneur, this is an amazing story that Mike shares with us because he takes us where he spent probably 12 plus years in the music industry and he re-engineered himself. And in the last 24 months, he has built a very sustainable, high-level business. And so he says that just duplicating, repeating, creating systems, tweaking a few things, how to expand yourself, how to challenge yourself. And so we get into some really great conversations about the in-depth process of starting a business. So Mike is an amazing individual we met on LinkedIn. He had some really cool posts. And as you guys know, we like to get people that are in these uncharted paths, and we like to learn from them and bring them into these 22-minute conversations. So enjoy the episode with Mike and share with us what your greatest takeaway was from this. Leave it in the comments section, reach out to us directly, but either way, we want to hear from you. So enjoy the episode. All right. So welcome back to 22 Minutes of the Having It All podcast. Today, we've got Mike Casavant with us. And his business is called The Mad Jekyll, which is in the edible cannabis space. Now, the reason we've got Mike on as our guest is because he is such an out-of-the-box entrepreneur. He's somebody that I connected with on LinkedIn. I love that he has... He's just a high-output creative. So anybody in this space, who's a creative is really, really going to relate to our friend, Mike, today. You're coming from the Midwest in the state of Wisconsin. So Mike, hey, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Of course. I really appreciate it. Actually, I wanted to say too, the brand, so is the Purple purple Alien is our edible brand. And then the Mad Jekyll is actually our clothing line, but that's, but they're, but basically they're they're merging both brands, but it's it's a little bit of a long story. (laughs) Okay. Well, this is good. And this is why we're digging in because we're going to take you through that. I mean, everybody kind of wants to hear those, you know, the way that the flow of your business has come into play. So let's like go back to the basics of building this company. I mean, like, why did you build it? You're a co-founder. So why did Mm. you get into it? The majority of my life, I've always questioned when other people were leading or quote leading me. And I always would kind of be, I mean, I probably had like 50 jobs by the time I was 20. I, I just, I couldn't work for people. And distinctly remember my mom telling me at one point, why can't you just be normal and get a regular job? And, and so, and uh, I think that was kind of my first and in, in sort of the realization that I'm probably an entrepreneur of sorts, but no one could really explain it to me until I was later in my 20s. But in all honesty, the, the real, I think the realest reason why we started Purple Alien, especially, was just because we had come off a situation where we were helping grow someone else's company. We brought we were brought in to be outside consultants for them. I had all these 
really interesting ideas for them to approach this market. And it was like dealing with a bigger corporation in, in that light. And I was like, these guys have so much money and they're spending it in all these places. And me and my business partner, literally for less than $200, created this entire business model, like ran the whole thing. And it was better than theirs. And there was something that moment where it was like, why are we doing this for everyone else that actually don't listen to us? So let's take all of our crazy ideas, this completely weird world and, and creative world and apply it to the things that we feel like we can do. And that's kind of where it started. You know, and I think this is like how the best companies do get started. Like you just said, it was like a $200 investment. I mean, I've seen multi-million dollar organizations start up with, you know, some inheritance from grandma of like two grand and literally built multi-million dollar organizations. So you're right. And I love that you make that point. It doesn't take a lot to get to where you want to go. I mean, you, you know, and I love too that you question leadership, right? I think that was kind of a validator for you in this space of I'm fully going to be an independent. What does that even look like? And then what's that that path of entrepreneurialism? How do you relate most to other entrepreneurs, Mike? I mean, how do you relate to others like that? You know, that's an interesting question because for me, like when we, you and I first talked on the phone, I think it was a week or two ago, it was like, wow, like you, I don't have to explain myself to you because we get each other in, in a very interesting way. And I find that when I meet other entrepreneurs or people that are forward thinking and really going after things in life, there's really no explanation outside of, hey, like, let me get to know you, the person, because I really don't care what you're doing. I just want to get to know if we're cool. And then back sort of once there's that, that veil of understanding someone and there's a relatability factor, which, again, I'm sure you've met a bazillion business owners and entrepreneurs that you just don't really vibe with. And right. for me, I have been in the room and had the uh, the luxury of sitting across the table from multi-billionaires to the poorest of the poor and everything in between. And for me, it always comes back to energy. If either I really highly connect with someone and I figure out that, you know, this person that's super successful could actually utilize my mind in certain aspects and vice versa. So it's kind of like, I don't know, for me, it's really just the what relates for me is always energy on the person. And if we get along well as a, as a on a personal level, then I already know, like, once we start talking business, the, you know, the world, watch out world pretty much. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and like I said, you know, and we know how to make Mavericks and build Titans in, in the industry, right? I mean, just the out of the box thinkers. I mean, just that independent, unbridled thinker. That's the spirit in which I consume myself with. And that's why you and I are out here. It doesn't matter the product or the, you know, the company, but it's all about the people. We're in the people business. At the at the end of the day, it's really how you relate to people, how you connect with them that really makes the biggest impact. And you're absolutely right. Energy is the number one currency. And I have learned that over the years. It took me a long time to figure that one out, but it is. There's such, you know, the energy exchange is literally the currency exchange. When that energy aligns, and you and I talked about this when we were getting to know each other, you know, it's all about who you relate to in the industry. That just makes your business so simple. And it's easy to qualify people based on that. Once you know that you're comfortable finding your your people and that's mm -hmm. where you want to be, that's the lane you need to stay at. That's where you're going to thrive. 
For sure. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's talk about sustainability a little bit. I mean, you're what, 24 months into this, you know, so what's the most important action would you say right now, Mike, that you guys are looking at for your business from a sustainability standpoint? So that's been the biggest hurdle, I think, just from a sustainability standpoint, where it's been me and Kelly, my business partner, the entire time. And like everyone, at certain points, you reach this mental fatigue, right? And as a hyper creator that I am, it, it doesn't necessarily happen to me too much. But when I get to a point where I am like pulled in so many directions, and like, but I also welcome them all too. So I, I say yes too much when I shouldn't, or I say yes to things that I'm not really as passionate about and or uh, as qualified. So I believe I can do everything, right? Which that's uh, probably the gift and curse for me is that I'll figure it out. Yep. Even if I'm not the best at it, I'm going to go and, and I'll make it happen as long as I'm moving in some direction. But what we kind of realized from a sustainable standpoint, we can't keep operating the, the way we have been because it's just her and I. And when we peel back the layers of outsourcing, and it's like, we've had so many people talk to us about this. You guys need to outsource, focus on the 5% that only you each can do, and then outsource everything else. We're like, but I mean, no, because we've got to. And then, but the reality is we've been outsourcing now. And I'm like, this is amazing. Why have we been freaking doing this for the last two years? <laughs> so, but with that though, comes back to the other hurdle of vetting, right? Vetting the right people. And trust me, we've spent thousands of dollars trying to find the right individuals that align with us. And also that, I mean, I'm sure we could have a conversation about this as well, but the, the work ethic for people now, it's like, they're so hungry. They love to talk to you. And then all of a sudden it's like a, any type of transaction happens and they're a ghost. And it's like, Oh, I'm too busy. Or, Hey, you know what? I'm really tired. Um, I'll get back to you in a week. And I'm like, what? Are you serious? So we run into that a few times and, you know, it kind of, which, which then leads me back to the original sort of thought process that I'm just going to do it because I don't want to wait for someone else to. But now we've sort of accumulated uh, about four, uh, four or five people that were like, okay, when we need these things happening, these are the people to go to. They're super invested in the, in the brand and our brands. And it's this is a newer realization for us in the last month or two. So it's definitely like adjustment, but also like, wow, this is, really, this is really good. So okay, so it's yeah. really interesting, Mike. So you bring up this point. Now, I'm going to be honest, there's probably have, people have heard this before. But good morning, America this morning was talking about entrepreneurs and silent quitting. Mm -hmm. Okay, so basically, this term to my understanding, which I'm totally foreign to, it's like giving yourself a break, like stopping the hustle and the grind. And so literally, they're, they're naming it silent quitting, which to me, it's boundaries, right? Yeah. And I think all entrepreneurs need really good sage boundaries. Yeah. So, but I think it's fascinating. Like you said, people will ghost you and they're just not as vested. I mean, they're all hungry, hungry. I'll, you know, get the gig. But then, like you said, then it's just like radio silence for them. Totally. Why do you think that that's happening? Like, what is it with all this like silent quitting or why do you think that's happening now more than ever, Mike? I mean, if we're talking like, look at the last two and a half years of where the economy has gone to, where society's gone to, we became so dependent on, I mean, I really, it's like we were told to what, stay home, do nothing, like get, have everyone else take care of you. 
essentially. And that's actually funny because that's actually when we started the company. We started during lockdown. Kelly and I were like, I'm gonna first of all, I was gonna like, I'm gonna lose my mind if I'm if I'm stuck in this house for the next six weeks. I need to do stuff. Like so six weeks. I love it. Yeah, yeah. we were all we were all in that. Oh hell yeah. no, how can we do this for six weeks? <laughs> Two weeks, right? Or whatever yeah. it was initially. I was like, oh my God, it's been years. But yeah. I honestly I look at that and I'm like, I think what's happened is well, a few things. I think people started to recognize maybe more so what they're worth that they wanted for themselves, which I'm like, absolutely right on. But then it became another aspect where I almost think we've become so dependent on other people to take care of us where I was, I've always been like, I don't want, like, I don't want your money. I don't want this. I just want to figure it out and be able to carve my own path. And that's how I've always been. So I think, to be honest, I think it, there's two sides of it. On the one side, I think it gave people a mirrored reflection of things that they could be doing if they stopped focusing on all the things that they bombard their life with that doesn't actually move them forward. And then on the flip side of that, they're like, wow, like I actually love baking. I'm going to start a YouTube show that then converts like people. I think people started to realize that a side hustle could actually be a real thing, but it also became, oh God, do I really have to work at this? And that, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, well, yeah, man, are you serious? Like, what are we talking about? So I do think that there is a bit of a codependent leg that we need to start to kind of chop off <laughs> a bit that we've sort of all been accustomed to the last few years. And I feel like that's why, because prior to this, we didn't really have that as abundant as much, but now it's kind of rampant in every, in every industry. It's the craziest thing. Yeah. And like, it's two things. I mean, like you said, I think we have more choices than ever. Okay. And I think if you are a freedom warrior, kind of like you or like myself, who we are kind of fiercely independent, we thrive in that space. You match that to somewhat of a shift in values, you know, like, okay, I'm not going to go to work for big brother. I can do this on my own. And I think that's kind of where the worlds collide into this, you know, into this space. But then, I mean, the the silent quitting is really about like the hustle grind, you know, not like being on all the time. So you got to have a valve that you got to shut off. And I think people don't understand that comes with experience. Wouldn't you say, Mike? I mean, have you witnessed that for yourself? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my problem is I'm on I'm on like all the time. So I. My, you know, it could be three o'clock in the morning and I roll over, look at my phone. Like, oh, I, I have, you know, 12 sales. I'm going to re- like, it's just, that's where my mind goes. Yeah. It's a, it's a very much of a focus effort that I, I have to remind myself, like when it's time to work, when it's time to not, and just be able to just be okay when I'm not working because I, I can get way too wrapped up in it, especially because, you know, we work with two fun, we're doing two fun brands. So it's like, it's, you know, as, I'm sorry. Anyone that's ever said, find what you love uh, and you know, you never work a day in your life. I am like, whoever said that is a moron because <laughs> honestly, if you find what you love, you're going to work yourself to the absolute brink to just because it's like you're so obsessed with it. And there's a, there's a Charles Bukowski, uh, Bukowski quote that says, find what you love and let it, let it kill you. And yes. I'm like, 
That is my slogan. (laughs) That's absolutely. Well, yeah. And I mean, one of my coaching clients this morning, kind of the same thing, you know, it's just like, you just, you got to find where the valve is. You got to turn it on. You got to turn it off. But you, you know, you got to find that happy medium in there because it's easy just to go all in on something, but that's just not sustainable. Like you said, I mean, small teams, mental fatigue, we can't do it forever like that. And so we just need to have that awareness. We need to have some sage boundaries around that. And then we can really build a foundation to thrive in. So yeah, I totally agree with you. All right. So you're in this space. Now you've mentioned and alluded to, I mean, you've got some multiple brands here, right? So you've got the edibles, but then you and I discussed, you also have this merchandise brand. Okay. So the Matt Jekyll's the merchandise brand, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And the purple alien is the edible brand, which you got into. Okay. So. Talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, people could look at that as like, you know, whether you tweak your business, pivot your business, you know, like how, where were, where was your headset in making those decisions for the business, Mike? Sure. So when we started Purple Alien on the edible front, we wanted to center around this character, Purple Alien, right? And so kind of like our main mascot. And as we, I mean, God, if you look at like what the initial concept was two years ago to where it's evolved to now, it's like, it's, it's like, doesn't even look like the same brand. And I'm glad because the evolution, the, the realization, testing the market, seeing what people are reacting to, what they're not. So, you know, when you talk about pivoting and or tweaking, I mean, for our recipes, for sure, we've tweaked and tweaked and tweaked. And, you know, we may hear someone's uh, testimonial or like, hey, uh, I I thought this about that. And we're like, huh, I never thought about that. And then we may work on that. Or if enough people have said something about one edible that we have, we're like, we should look at this and see if we can make this better or or what have you. We're very happy with all of our edibles right now. There's one in particular that we're kind of revamping. But just because, again, we've heard enough feedback that we are in that state of sort of like constantly tweaking, but also like wanting to evolve into other areas of other edibles. And so the clothing line was kind of a, me coming from music, right? That like, and my background in being a touring musician, that's the only way we survived on tour. I mean, we made 50 bucks a night if they paid us and it was me and five of the dudes in a van. So it's like, we're trying to just go make it and uh, get there, whatever. And if we weren't selling merch, it was like, we we didn't survive. So I always look at that with everything I do. I'm like, how can I add this logo onto how many things can I put it on or what, how else can we expand this? So people discover that, wow, like this brand does a lot of other things outside of just being an edible brand, which that was kind of from, from the jump that we wanted to set up that way. And, you know, the Mad Jekyll was a, um, a pivot into a streetwear concept that, wasn't necessarily overly thought out, but it was something that it was something that I loved what people's reactions to our logo was. And then we started to kind of like introduce Purple Alien and his friend uh, Tipsy, who's this green cat. And then I started developing the personalities of them. And I started seeing like, well, Purple Alien's kind of this unhinged lunatic in the best way. He just wants to have a great time. So there's definitely heavy elements of me in that. But then uh, Tipsy's got this very like logical, philosophical side of him, more quiet. He's just like, he, I was very observant. And I'm like, well, that's also kind of like me. And then Kelly, my business partner, see, we're, we're both like these two characters. Uh, we see each other in both of them. So as we got into this sort of deeper development of the illustration process for the, for the merch, 
we realized the target segment that we were going out and demographic that we were attracting currently and with our edibles was so not who was being who who was actually being attracted to by the merch. So we were like, well, we thought this is going to be a merch line, like an extension to Purple Alien. But then it, we kind of realized like it's its own thing. So let's create another thing, like a different brand that ties Purple Alien together, but also separate because n- none of the merch has anything like cannabis related at all. We wanted to have a brand that was more neutral in that sense that we can, if we wanted to do paid ads or anything like that, we weren't going to run into issues with you know anything. So we wanted to have kind of like a, a separate but together company. So that's kind of where the magical creole got created. Well, I think it's fascinating too. I mean, so originally just with your experience, like you said, as a touring musician, that became a revenue stream, right? Yeah. So when it came to, you know, grant any type of growth or expansion, you were seeing that as, as a beautiful revenue stream that, hey, I mean, there's there's dollars lost here if we don't do something like that. But then I also love the awareness that you have as an entrepreneur within your brands that it's maybe not the same client base and that's okay. And you're, you're listening. And I think a lot of companies miss out on that. You're listening to the feedback that you're receiving and then you're providing the client and, and the customers exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. Then maybe, it, you know, so it's kind of birthed out of you just having a really good understanding of who you serve, where your clients are at, like what what is it that they're most interested in? So I think that's quite fascinating too. Now, I think we can all get lost in that space too, right? So do you balance them, Mike, as a 50-50 brand or does one get more attention than the other? I'm curious. You know, it's, 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 I feel like it's a hundred and a hundred right now because just because it's like, I said this to a friend of mine uh, over the weekend, we recorded the podcast on his show. And, and I was like, you know, everyone that talks about building one brand or one company and how hard it is, I'm like, now add a second to that. Right. So now we're bringing in all these other, I, I, I would, I would say issues and, and, and things that are going to, you know, potentially cripple us, if you will. But that's also part of what I love to get up every day to figure out and like, how are we going to, you know, get over these, uh, elephants in the room or, or these, you know, these brick walls that are kind of forcing us into areas that we're like, oh my God, how are we going to figure this out? That's my favorite place to be because while the world is, while everyone else around me is freaking out, I'm kind of like very still and I'm very like, you know, aware. And that's kind of where maybe Tipsy's personality comes into play where I'm like, all right, let me, let me really analyze what's happening. But, you know, right now I would say we're at a hundred on both, honestly, because we're bringing two brands to market, two website launches, two full build out marketing plans. And it's a lot. I mean, truly it is, but that's why we kind of realize in the last two months or so, if we don't outsource, then I can't sit in my in, in the space I need to be and be able to create the stuff to be able to do all this all these things. And so for me, if I'm so mentally fatigued by everything else, I can't even do the thing that actually makes us us. So that realization was very, very real for us. And now we're we're very excited to offset some of the things so it's not so um, weighing much on us. I love it. I love it. What I'm hearing is you really refer, you know, you got to have strategy 
you know, sometimes. So it's one thing that, to be creative. And like you said, a high output creative, Mike. I mean, like that's that's like creativity on steroids times 10. Yeah. We get it, you know, and, and that's good. And you're, you're feeding that niche. But how do you stay strategic? I mean, like, how do you pull yourself back from getting so far into that creative space that then, you know, from the business and the operation standpoint, yeah. you know, that's where a lot of heavy lifting has to happen as well. So like, give us your headset around that. Well, that's where Kelly and I balance each other super well, right? She's she is full on operations. I mean, without her, I think I don't know if I could tie my own shoes, honestly, in certain regards. But you know, and that's where I think I hope she's listening that, to this right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I tell her every day she should win an award to have to deal with me because my God. Um <laughs> love it. But you know, and and that's part of it. It's like she's the one that sort of like is the iron fist because I, where I'm like, let's just keep going and t- whatever. She's like, no, we're done. We're not going to solve tonight's problem. Like she kind of gives me those check it points for sure. And then also, just I know at some point, like decision fatigue is real too. It's like I don't like at certain points of the day now. I'm I'm just realizing like. At nine o'clock at night, I shouldn't be making a severe decision on anything yep. outside of, you know, what am I, what am I reading or what am I going to bed? Like, you know what I mean? Yep. And I, but prior to that, I would have just worked through all night, whatever, and then woke up the next day and been like, why did I agree to that? I'm such an idiot, you know? So yep. it's, and that's something I think just being aware, especially if, if anyone's listening that's hyper creative, yep. it is a real thing. Like, knowing when to make a decision or let me rephrase this to eliminating the decision process yes. to a point where you have things already prepped out. So it's like, Hey, what am I eating tomorrow? Oh, wait, it's already planned out. If my alarm goes off, I don't have to think about it and waste, waste mind calories or brain calories to burn, to figure that out. I can save that those thoughts for things that actually matter instead of the other things that don't. So I actually believe if people can put in place the ability to stop making decisions on things that don't matter and truly focus on the things that do, you're going to win always. You, I mean, whether it's day to day or in a year, you will absolutely win. Absolutely. No, and I love that. Again, I mean, just validation for so many entrepreneurs on so many levels with this. Yeah, you bring up some really good points. Okay, so I want to talk about, you know, um, in our previous discussion, I mean, you got you and Kelly decided to hire a business coach. And essentially, you know, that's that's the space in which I serve in my normal craft. So how did you make the decision to do that? And like, what are the types of things that you're working on to ensure that you get to where you want to go in this space? You know, it's like, like I said earlier, when I feel like, even if I don't know something, I'm not going to tell you, I don't necessarily know it. I'm going to, I, I'm a great faker. Like, oh yeah, I totally know what I'm talking about. Then hand up the phone and be like, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. And then, you know, have, have a complete true. like, you know, meltdown. But we kind of realized collectively that we thoroughly needed someone that is not emotionally tied to either of us, uh, either brand or anything. And there was a gentleman uh, that I've actually met also through LinkedIn years ago named uh, Anthony English. And he had told me one time, it's always harder to read the, read the label from inside of the bottle. And I didn't quite understand it until recently, honestly, because I was like, oh my God, I totally get that because I can't, if you ask me 15 things in your business right now that you want to improve upon, 
I know I can be like, oh my God, here we go. And give you like the, the roadmap. I, for myself, it's hard. It just is because I'm so emotional with it. It's, I'm, so, I'm so connected to it that the things that I would normally point out or see with somebody else, I, it's harder for me. It just is. And, and I'm sure you see that with a lot of your clients as well. And so we had a kind of a, a loose friend of ours, if you will, that uh, knew this gentleman, Trevor, and uh, he's been he, he really successful in the fitness world. And then he kind of got into more high level business coaching, if you will. He is a complete maniac on every level. <laughs> like He's just uh, he's very what's the word I'm looking for? Like, well, he's your people. He you know, he you know, actually, he is and he's not. He totally is on like the output level, but we actually, we have a conversation with him tomorrow about like, like when we're having our calls, he's so busy or like, like at that high level output that like, I'm asking him for advice. Or for, we're like, Hey, this is where we need to be. Well, he's like, oh, and he's like, he's like, he's like not, he like listens, but he's actively like just telling you. Solving just, the problem. Yeah. So his, his, I guess this is like, philosophy more so is just throw gasoline on it and figure it out when like figure it out later which has worked for sure in certain areas but now we're kind of getting down to like the really like nitty-gritty of things and we're like yeah none of this is going to work dude i probably i know it so it's like we're trying to like reestablish that but we felt at that point when we decided to hire him we needed someone that just had a completely different foresight for things that could really poke holes in the areas that maybe I just didn't want to see or admit that were things were going on where they were. And then it's like, Hey guys, what about and kind of yeah. showing you like the laundry list, you know? Well, that's interesting because today, like I said, on, on one of my coaching calls, you know, my, my client kept referring to like the scheduling problem. I'm like, everything's about scheduling and it's about time. But really Mike, when we got to the heart of it, it was about money. Okay. So he felt like he was hustling because there was the scarcity of the money thing. And really, when we said, okay, all we need to do is we need to tweak the structuring of the financials with your client, you know, just how we how we um, secure the funding. And then immediately he could he witnessed it. It was just like this deck of cards. It just it shuffled right into place. And he's like, oh, my God, I didn't see it like that. All I mean, in his heart, it was all about like, oh, my God, the schedule and I'm behind and all of this. But when in essence, the biggest problem he needed to solve is it was like he had this little money trigger going on. And we, we cleaned it up and said, Hey, this is all we have to do when, you know, let's make that just a fixable thing, which we can do. Yeah. Totally got him back on space. So I know, I mean, I, I highly relate to it. And so many people that are listening to you right now share that because we don't know what we don't know. And it is, it's just nice to have somebody else who's got our vested interest, but can do it in such a way that it's just so much more strategic and then leaves you in your lane to thrive because that's ultimately where you want to go. For sure. And I think also too, it's like the saying, you're like, if you hang around, what was the five people that you hang around with are the ones you become? And it's like, uh, I mean, we reached a point where, you know, financially, yeah, we're like, we, we want to succeed where we're at and, and figure out where to get there. And gosh, I, I remember back when I used to own a fitness business, there was this guy that came in to try, or he uh, messaged me on, on um, Facebook one time and he said, Hey, I really want to improve my deadlift. And I was like, okay, cool. He was based in like Nebraska or something. And he was like, uh, I was like, what's the gym you train at? And he told me where he was training. At. I'm like, okay. I was like, who's the strongest guy in the gym? 
And I'm like, what's the best deadlift in there? And the guy, and he's like, uh, 400 pounds. And I was like, okay, uh, what's your, what, what do you want to deadlift? He goes 500. I go get and find and find a new gym. And he was uh, like, no, right. what do you mean? Right. And I was, no, I'm telling you, dude, like your bar now is 400. Right. I'm like, if you want to deadlift 500, you need to go to a gym and someone's doing 500 for reps. Right. That's right. So, and that, and it's funny because people don't realize how important environment is. Like, I mean, when I used to power lift and do all that stuff, like I would go, I went to this gym called, um, uh, total performance sports in Boston. And I walked in, I saw this girl squatting like 450, 500 pounds for reps. And I was like, where am I? Like, it was like, (laughs) I was like, what is going on? And I felt like this is where I, this is like, I felt so weak and I was like, this is amazing. So I figured out that like, yeah, if you're in the right environment, like the things that you tell yourself in your basement that you can't do when you go see someone doing it, you're like, well, I can do that then. And you go do it. Okay, dude. Have you seen Top Gun Maverick? Have you seen the newest <laughs> Top Gun? Yeah. So it's Please so tell good. me yes. Okay. Yeah. So there's the reference there. I mean, basically, when Tom Cruise got on and showed them, I mean, actually took the flight that he was championing all of them to take, he led by example when they thought maybe it was a little bit impossible, and he actually showed by example that it was that totally changed the landscape of everything. Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, anybody, I mean, you, yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's an, a phenomenal movie when it comes to performance, comes to people. I mean, there's so many principles in there. And like, I mean, that's how we make more Mavericks. We get more Mavericks in the room with this personal brand because those are the ones we challenge, we compete with each other. You know, we, it really is a, a personal challenge, but it helps to have that environment of others who are kind of, you know, testing it and taking it all away. You know, what's interesting too about that. I like, I was having this conversation over the weekend too with my friend Ryan about skateboarders, right? I'm obsessed with skating. I've been since I was a kid and there are eight year olds right now doing stuff that like was winning awards. I mean, winning championships, like winning competitions five, six, seven years ago. And I'm like, what in, cause the bar is getting so high because of the yeah. internet that kids have access to YouTube and, and Instagram. And they're seeing their peers doing things that they had no idea they could, that was even possible. Now they're like, well, I think I can do that. Or now I want to go try to do that. They do it. And they're 10 years old. It's like what? proving so that they can, <laughs> you know? So the entry point now is getting so much younger because people have access to things that just, we never had 15, 20 years ago. Isn't that amazing though? I mean, and you're right. Again, so many points. Okay. So we're coming into the close. Where can we find you? I mean, anybody who's listening to this episode, they're loving Mike, um, loving the Mad Jackal brand and all that you're doing at the Purple Alien, you know, global business here. I mean, it's a global spectrum. Where can we find you? Give us a website. How can we connect? Yeah. So uh, right now we're definitely pretty heavily on uh, Instagram. So Purple Alien on uh, Instagram is uh, at P-U-R-R-P-L-E dot alien, A-L-I-E-N. The Mad Jekyll is just at T-H-E-M-A-D-J-E-K-Y-L-L, madjekyll.com. And then Purple Alien's website should be live here in about three weeks, give or take. So that's pretty much the best place to find us. (laughs) Yeah. And you can find you on LinkedIn as well. I mean, I I was loving some of the conversations that you were having all that out of the box thinking. And I said, Oh my God, Mike's got to be one of our people out here because, (laughs) you know, we're all in this together. And I I love these conversations. They're just super enlightening. And again, the energy that you have, what you and Kelly are doing, you know, may not always be easy, but you're like, 
there's love and passion in everything that you can, that you're doing, you can tell. So it's just such a gift. So thank you so much for oh bringing God. your message out to, to everybody in this podcast. We thank you so much for that. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next time. Did you enjoy this conversation as much as I did? If you're looking for more conversations like these, be sure to subscribe and please leave a review of the podcast. Subscribing and leaving a review helps it show up on your phone every time a new episode is released and leaving a review helps other people like you find us so they can get the help they need so they can live their best life. Also, subscribe to our weekly email on our website at marlohiggins.com. This is the place that we share insider tips with our audience and drop polarizing insights with you. Remember, the road to success is better with friends. So be sure to share this episode to help all of you reach your goals together. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, success is universally desired, personally defined, and always within reach.